Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's Liverpool's Joy of Six. Hello and welcome to the Real Football Cast. I'm your host Dan Tracy and in the next 60 minutes I want to be dissecting through all the hot topics in football. As you should know by now, the aim is to separate all the footballing week from the chaff as on this episode we look back on another weekend's Premier League action. After riding solo last week, I'm delighted to say that I'm not alone as I'm joined by my trusted strike duo. Joining me tonight, I have two real football men who will also be searching for audio goals. Once more, JS joins me and he runs the excellent Football City website. JS, I know you're going through the pain barrier, so I do appreciate you coming on board. And I'm also joined by Cole, who's been out on another scouting mission. I'd best do some social media bits first, otherwise we'll be talking to the Abyss. If you want to get in touch with me, you can. That's on Twitter at DanTracy1983. If you have any questions, comments or feedback, send them my way and we will discuss them on the show. Twitter is the main place where you can find the show each week and you can also find it at realfootballcast.com. There you will find links to download or stream to your device and you can also find it on SoundCloud or Audioboom. And later in the week will be on YouTube, courtesy of our sponsors Loserpool. As you know by now, the Real Footballcast is in association with Loserpool. And what is Loserpool, I hear you ask? It's a new betting game which is going to be launched in the UK this week. And it's betting turned on its head with the focus being on the loser. If that has grabbed your interest, then be sure to visit loserpool.com and create an account. While not forgetting, you can also make use of their 30% off coupon, something that I did earlier today. Right then, it's time to go live. Before we analyse the actual um, Premier League action of the weekend, let's turn our attention to the FIFA Best Awards. Now, Carl, oh. Luka Modric won the award. Yeah, Jay, so I'm going to save the, um, <laughs> the question about the awards itself for you. But I'll ask Carl about the um, the handling of the award or who it's been given to. Luka Modric. Now, he won after helping Real Madrid to the Champions League and also Croatia uh, to the World Cup final. So, you know, success for the club, nearly success for his country. For you, is that the right decision? Yeah, I think so. It's about time, wasn't it, that Ronaldo or Messi could give a miss on that one. And Modric's been fantastic, hasn't he, as you say, <laughs> getting um, getting 
Madrid to the success they've had and Croatia getting them to that World Cup, even though obviously most of Croatia don't like the bloke. Um, but yeah, I think it was a worthy winner. Um, he's been a great player and he's up there with the best in that midfield area. Yeah, I think it's the right decision. I think it's also good, as you said, that we're sort of, and I know this is actually a point that Jay's referenced really early in the season, that we're, we're almost past that Messi versus Ronaldo scale. We can sort of start to look past in football. We've almost got a new era yeah, best ever player. It's nice to do that, isn't it? It just becomes a little bit monotonous and boring, doesn't it, when you're just like, well, which one of them's going to get it this year? So to have someone else step up and, and get given the credit they deserve, then that, that's refreshing to see, actually. Absolutely. And JS, let's go back to the actual uh, spectacle of the awards do itself. Um, I'm sure you have something to say on it because it's quite high on the chintz factor, wasn't it? I think it's a grotesque parody <laughs> of our game, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I think you know, you're right as well. It's a back-slapping, self-congratulatory, mutual masturbatory wankfest. I, I hate the whole thing. The whole thing's pretentious. I mean, even calling it the best, you know, and then you realise half of it or whatever or a big portion of it's fabricated. So it's not actually the best. It's a popularity contest, although I would concur fully with Carl in that Modric deserved to win it this year. But it's like a glamour award. So it was just hideous monstrosity of, of our game, you know. I mean, yeah. if, you, if you ever, you know, football swallowing itself, and if you ever wanted proof of it being completely stripped away from its roots in the working class game that it once was, last night was it. Hideous. Absolutely horrible, the whole thing. Right, OK, let's move away from the glitz and glamour of the awards do and focus on the spectacle of the Premier League. As Liverpool make it the joyous six to their perfect start of the season. Now, that was uh, Carl's loser pick as they... Um, <laughs> a little bit of Southampton, so he's got that spot on somewhat unsurprisingly. But for you, Cole, Liverpool didn't need to be at their blistering best, did they? No, I think that was always going to be a game, wasn't it, where they could potentially not be at their best and, and beat Southampton. You know, Southampton are not going to trouble, I think, those top six sides this year. Um, and Liverpool just kind of, you knew, you got the impression there could be a heavy scoreline involved in that game. Um, and the surprise is it was only three, and especially considering they all came in the first half. So, yeah, they, they probably did well to, you know, not concede any more in the second. Um, but pretty routine for Liverpool, wouldn't have had to be at their best and they can save themselves for bigger for bigger um, bigger matches when they do need to fully be there but it is worrying for everyone else isn't it that the fact is they've not probably played at their best all season yet and they're six on six so they're, they're looking really good and they are my team that will push City closest right now to that title um, and as I said, I think in one of the earlier pods, the fact that I think they scare City and City are a little bit worried about Liverpool. I think, you know, that when they meet, that's going to be a massive game and a massive factor in who could go on for that title because there'll be such a massive, you know, lift. If they beat City, then they'll really feel the force behind them and that could take that momentum from that could take them all the way. If City beat them, then they've got their towel back between their legs slightly. But I, I think they've got the number of City there, those guys. It's looking that way. I mean, it's going to be a titanic clash when they do meet. And there's also going to be a titanic clash for Liverpool this weekend, which we'll reference in a bit. But 
going back to Saturday, JS, what did you make of Shakiri getting subbed off at half time? Surely for him, that would have been the ideal opportunity for him to get a, you know a good run of minutes, say 75, 80, maybe even 90 under his belt. He's got to be a bit frustrated with that, really. That was brutal, wasn't it? It it looked really, really good that half. I mean, he, he directly contributed to two of the goals. And you, you just think, why? Why would he have taken him off? It was a weird, weird substitution, that one. Yeah, because Klopp was sort of referencing that the the sub was made because they needed the win. But, you know, they're not, they weren't 1-0 up and thinking, well, actually, no. you know, we've gone over to creative in midfield. We need to sort of drop this back a bit. 3-0 up. It was almost an, a real unnecessary substitution, wasn't it? Oh, completely unnecessary. It's so bizarre. And it's not as if he's been playing game in, game out either. He normally comes on as a sub in like the 70th minute or something. And I just think, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, he was on fire, wasn't he? That free kick was incredible. That led to the goal. Um, that cross he put in that led to the own goal was brilliant. Uh, you know what? I don't know what more he wanted from him. Like you say, they're absolutely cruising in complete control of that game. And... Yeah, I, I can't imagine Shakiri's going to have been too too pleased with that, to be honest, because he was the one making things happen, you know? Really yeah. weird choice. That's going to be something of a dent to his ego. I'm not saying he's, well, he's slightly big-headed, but I guess you can be when you're that talented. But he's the kind of player that sometimes needed, needs an arm around him. If he's not being sort of loved, <laughs> you can sort of sometimes see sort of, turns it in a bit. So that's not really going to help him, is it? In the sort Hon- of- Honestly, it's, it's weird, mate. Imagine, like... Deli Alley or someone or I don't know, say say Lucas Mora had directly contributed to two goals, you're up and cruising. And he and, and Potch brings him off at half time. I mean at least give them like five minutes after half time and then bring them off and say, look, I wanted to make this for tactical reasons. Bringing someone off at half time is almost like a complete slap in the face, isn't it? You know? Absolutely. Do you think that's Klopp trying to flex his power this season? Do you think that's him trying to say, look, I, I can take this sort of bloke off at half-time now and we'll still comfortably win this game? Um, and maybe he's trying to send a message to everyone else saying, yeah, I can make this sort of sub now. Because uh, we all know Shakiri's never the sort of player who makes the 90 minutes, is he? Mm-hmm. He was a bit like our Van der Vaart, wasn't he, with his build and that. Or he gets 75 minutes. Oh. Yeah, you get 75 minutes and normally they're brilliant. Um, and then you bring them off because you know they're kind of done. But I wonder right. if Klopp was kind of flexing. He's uh, trying to show off a little bit there and mm. let us all see what he can do that he can afford to rest players in these sort of games. I mean, they, but they, they, it have is weird. Great, they have got a great squad now. But even with that considered, just, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't suppose we'll ever know the genuine mentality behind it. I can't imagine he'll come out and say... I just wanted to be a bit of a dick, flex my power. You know what I mean? It's not going to come out and say that, is he? You know? Unfortunately not. We're not going to hear it walks and all, are we? But um, Liverpool certainly signed, showed no signs of fatigue after getting a better no. PSG in uh, midweek. <laughs> well, I guess, was that something of a shell shock or a wake-up call for PSG, Cole, that you know, it's easy to roll over the team such as you know Dijon, as JS has referenced, they've mustered earlier in the season. But, you know... <laughs> For them, I guess it's almost like a, an upscale of Celtic, isn't it? And even they're not doing well this season. But, you know, finally they've been tested and they failed that test. And that's going to be something of a wake-up call for PSG, isn't it? 
Yeah, that's they're, they're a weird club, isn't it? Because it's kind of been built <laughs> to win the Champions League. But they never actually look like they're going to be able to do it because, as you say, they, they don't seem like they can beat real stiff competition when it comes to it. And you kind of maybe do think that, yeah, that French league doesn't help because they're not really tested um, most weeks. You know, they've kind of normally won that league probably by, you know, January, February, um, cruising. And, and yeah, you can only think that's probably not helping. But that is a side that's been built to win the Champions League. And I've not seen a side that you kind of think realistically don't stand the chance of winning it because they're too fragile. Um, and certain players may turn up every now and then. But some of them are just show, you know, showboat every now and then. And that doesn't always get the job done. So that I think. You know, that would have been a bit of a wake-up call. And obviously, they as a club won't have enjoyed losing that game because they would have liked to have been the team to come out on top in that, you know, big showdown. So they've got a lot to do, I think, to win that Champions League this year. But I, I don't see that happening at all. No, it's always the case, isn't it? They seem to do well in the group stages, but as soon as they get paired with one of the bigger teams, you know, the elite racket. Yeah, I mean, last year they looked fantastic. Fantastic, didn't they? They were in that group stage. They were smashing everybody, and you just thought, "Oh, well, this is it." You know, this this has clicked now. They've got what they needed in Neymar. But then that same frailty comes as soon as they met someone, uh, you know, slightly organised, sensible tactics, and and they they come undone. And I, I think that will just happen again this year. Yep, I think you're absolutely right. But um, like I say, if Liverpool certainly won't tired <laughs> at the weekend. The same couldn't be said about Chelsea, who somewhat laboured to a draw after a now resurgent West Ham. And JS, was that the Europa League getting in the way? Or was it simply because West Ham have got that monkey off their back, got a win, they're finally becoming the team that they should be? Uh, a, a bit of both, I think. I mean, to be honest, I, I did watch that one. I'm still a little bit staggered as how Chelsea didn't win that game. <laughs> you know, it's one of those kind of like, West Ham did all right, actually, to give them their due. And like you said, I think, I think they've sort of... I did say this, didn't I, a few weeks ago. I think when West Ham sort of gel a little bit, because they made a lot of new signings. So I did say I think they'd be all right. Um, I didn't see anything other than a Chelsea win at that game. And Chelsea still looked really good. I mean, I'm... Oh, it, it honestly it makes me sick praising Chelsea as a Spurs fan, but I love Sari Ball. You know, I love that four three three thing. I think it brings something new to the Premier League. Um, I think they they had decent chance. I, I feel like Chelsea should have won that game, but West Ham did well to hold on. I mean, actually, do you remember the the West Ham game where they got decked by Liverpool? I think it was four 0 Was it? Yeah, on the opening weekend, wasn't it? That's the one. I mean, even in that game, I know it sounds weird, but they actually defended quite well, <laughs> despite getting battered 4-0. They just had lapses in concentration. That led to pretty much all four of the goals. I mean, that, that could have been a different result. They just switched off, you know. And they did that again a couple of times against Chelsea and were lucky not to get punished. But they are starting to concentrate for longer periods now, and they're, they're starting to look a lot better. Um, yeah, I mean, it could, it could be fatigue, couldn't it? But then, you know, we had quite a bruising encounter with um, with Inter, and then made it look relatively comfortable away at Brighton. Um, still with quite a lot of tired players, we looked a hell of a lot better. We reverted to basics. Chelsea have got their formation. It's all it's all set. I think they'll be fine. I think I think it's a combination of 
of the two, basically, Dan. No, I think that's a fair enough answer, really. It's neither one or the other. I think it's sort of, you yeah. might lie somewhere in the middle, but it's I know it sounds like I'm fa- I, I know it sounded like I was fencing, but I, no, no, I tried but... to I tried to explain both bits at least, you know. <laughs> but, yeah. Sometimes but. it is a, that is the answer, isn't it? Sometimes it's not necessarily black or white. It is something that lands in the middle. So if yeah, exactly, you know, and there's yeah. not a problem with that. But it is it is something of a shame that Chelsea didn't get a win, if only because it would have perfectly set up this sort of two juggernaut clash at the weekend with two teams both on 18 points and going for it. It's, Someone zeros had to go and all that. But that said, it will take little away from the magnitude of the game come the weekends. Cole, the clash of the season right. so far and a real chance for a title marker to be put down by either side. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this one is one of those, isn't it, where you think, again, this is a real booster, morale booster for whoever wins it because it kind of, you know, lets them flex their muscles and show their dominance a little bit. Um, I can't, to be honest, I think Liverpool will get the win again. Um I think they look better going in. I think Chelsea still can look a little bit vulnerable at the back. You know, I'm not sure their system suits David Luiz at the moment. Um, and in the end, obviously, West Ham missed that guilt edge chance right near the death where they could come away with all three points. And I think right. that will be the trouble. Chelsea still can, I think, get found out at the back um, where Liverpool kind of look more solid all over the place at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I, I see Liverpool just coming out on top and kind of, again, showing their strength that I think they'll have this season. But that'll be a really good game. You know, Chelsea will be reliant on Hazard um, being on fire. And West Ham did a good job of kind of trying to marshal him at the weekend, you know, just not let him have any space to run into. Because, you know, if he's on fire, he can kill you, that guy. You know, he's so good on the ball. Um, and if Liverpool don't watch him, then he could be the one that upsets them slightly. But I just think, you know, Liverpool's firepower. Chelsea, I think, still lack that real killer striker up top. You know, they—they—that's the one area that I think Chelsea is still weak um, and could really improve on. Morata just hasn't happened for him since he's been here, and I think that will be their weakness in that game at the weekend. JS, you uh, were purring about Sorry Ball just a few minutes ago. I wouldn't say luck, but has he sort of been fortunate that he's almost worked out the best <laughs> eleven uh, straight away, and it's sort of it's clicked for them already, isn't it? So you know, it's usually some type or. Sometimes a new manager comes in, it takes a little while for him to think, right, you know, who's my best players, who needs to go where? But I think the formation, it's sort yeah, of sort like, falling into place really quickly. Like, like Emery at Arsenal is taking a bit longer to kind of fully gel what, what he wants. I, I'm still not sure about Arsenal being absolutely insistent on playing out from the back. I mean, that still puts a lot of pressure on them, you know, but that's another one. Um, no, I, I don't think it is like Dan. Um, I watched a lot of Serie A last year, and Napoli were just so exciting. You know, it was like like I said a few weeks ago, I think on the program. You know, in the in that sort of monotonous world of four two three <clears throat> one, you know, Barca style, keep the ball at all costs. It was revolutionary, and he, and he found a tactic to combat that and it's only taken what when did Barca start that about 2008 <laughs> you know what I mean it's only, it's only taken a decade for someone else to come in and realise it can be done a different way you know um, and I, I think I think the one thing that surprised me he did he did use Jorginho like that at Napoli but I still in my head I still thought Kante was going to be the one that 
went into the Jorginho role and pushed Jorginho further forward. So it was very interesting to see he's done it the other way around. Um, and actually, I don't agree with Carl. I don't think Liverpool have looked at their best yet at all. And actually, I think Chelsea system suits them, keeping it very narrow. It's going to be hard to get it out to, you know, whoever's playing a little bit wider in the three, whether it's Mane or Salah drifts out or Firmino or them all swapping or whatever it is. And I actually think they've got enough to contain them. I think um, because the, the formation, the 4-3-3 is so flexible, you just get Jorginho and Kante dropping back in. And I think that provides such a deep level of... I mean, we're talking... I hate the world, world, word world-class, but Kante is world-class. And he can soak up a lot of the pressure on his own. Jorginho likes getting stuck in... I actually think David Luiz looks right so far. I mean, he's playing within himself. He's not doing quite as much of his let's go mental and be a Brazilian and go on a 90-run forward like he normally does. But I think he's keeping it simple. Um, I think that's good for him, is keeping it to the basics. I think he's doing well. Uh, yeah, they do look a bit vulnerable, but I think Liverpool do as well. And I think that narrow width that Chelsea will play with will make it difficult for them to, you know, get the ball. I think Chelsea will have a lot more of the ball in that game. I don't think they'll do the defending counter thing with Liverpool. I think they'll press them, constrict them in the middle and then sort of just break off to flanks. And I think that's the way they beat them. Carl, Gary Cahill, he's not uh, getting a game if at all at Chelsea. I can't remember the last time he played, really. Uh, probably an England shirt. But um, he's sort of saying, not in so many words, or maybe in quite a few words, that it looks like his time at Stamford Bridge is, is over. Where could you see him sort of moving? Because he's 32. He's still going to be very useful to a top-flight club. Would they sell him to, dare I say, a big six rival? Is it somewhere lower down the table? What do you think will happen? Oh, I think he'll go. I don't know. He, he seems prime for somewhere like an Everton to me, you know, where it's like, I don't think you're going to find him cropping up in one of the top six anymore. Um, so I think, you know, one of those sides that's looking to get in there, you know, someone like Everton now who potentially, you know, I know they've got Mina who hasn't played yet for them, but he could probably go and do a good job there. You know, even someone like Newcastle, you know, one of those sort of teams now where, you know, they they look, they want to try and be a little bit ambitious. Um, but, you know, it, he could do a really good job for a team like that. There's no doubt about it because he's still a he's still a good player. Um, but yeah, his time has come, isn't it, at Chelsea? So I think he he probably won't get much action there, other than what happened, you know, the sort of sub odd sub appearance here and there. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe the one who's dropped down slightly, you know, uh, uh, Everton, um, you know, even someone like to be honest, even someone like Wolves, you know, are looking to build yeah, on the yeah, start they've yeah. had. Shout. You know, Fulham, oh, maybe Fulham. Shout. You know, nah. Fulham, someone like that. No, nah, I mean, uh, the move across there, obviously, with a rival. No, it's not. It's not. Well, I don't think they'll care that much. Not that it's not that it's a real rivalry, is it? Fulham, they are kind yeah, of close. Ful- but... Fulham are one of those sort of London clubs that most other London clubs don't actually hate for some reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's weird, isn't it? You know? Yeah, I mean, well, the fact they have a neutral stand sort of says it all, really, doesn't it, Fulham? But, you know... That, they're harmless. <laughs> they're, they're harmless. They, they are very harmless. We'll talk yeah. about them... A, a, apart from when they had the uh, the 
Michael Jackson statue. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That, that, that might have been a bit more contentious. You know. <laughs> yeah, a different era, though. It was a different time. But um, funny you should mention Everton Carl, because that is my next uh, next port of call. Well, actually, it's the Emirates, but it was above the Everton. <laughs> they, um, they lost to Arsenal at the weekend. It sees them like 12th in the table. And JS, they've only won one game this season. Admittedly, they've drawn three, so it's not as bad as the picture I'm trying to paint, but it's clearly apparent they are lacking goals this season. Senk Tossen is not quite the uh, the striker that um, they have expected, really, is he? So what you're saying, he's the chenk in their armour? Yeah, or, oh. or tossing money down the chenk, I could have gone for as well. So. That's, that's pretty good. We'll there you go. That. We'll go with that. Um, but, um, yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, I I think so. You know, I mean, he's he is a good striker. I think, like you say, they're they're quite clearly missing. Uh, you know, an out and out. Oh, this is going to sound really weird, but they could actually do worse than trying to poach Jermaine Defoe for half a season. You know what I mean? Fox in the box type, still quite quick. He'd actually get on the end of stuff from Lennon and Richarlison and all the rest of it, you know. So I actually think they looked all right against Arsenal. I, I, I kind of feel like that was one of those games that could have gone either way. It was It was a cracking game. Did you watch that one? Um, yeah, they they created some really good chances in that mm. game, and that was actually yeah. the same against West Ham when they they lost the other week. When you watch that game, they were all over West Ham. Mm-hmm. They just they just didn't have the firepower up yeah, top to it. make the most of their chances. And I think, like JS said, they on Saturday. I mean, to be honest, Arsenal were quite fortunate because another team on another day, you know, if that was City or Liverpool or Chelsea, they Arsenal would have really been found out on the weekend, yeah, you know, a team that take their chances. Oh, um, and and I think Everton just haven't replaced Lukaku yet, have they? You know, they haven't been able to find that key striker who will take those chances when they're on top um, and, you know, turn that into goals. And I think all season, that's just what Everton have missed. They've just missed that final finishing product to get that win over the line. Um, and they've just been one of them sides have been punished and and when you've got linesmen who can't spot a striker a yard offside then you know that that doesn't also help your calls but and Richarlison being out for three games was a massive blow for them um but Everton yeah that's just that's just a problem area for them at forward and 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 it could cost them if they don't manage to kind of find something and I I think JS has made a great shout there you know it's I I was actually screaming for it last year that I wish we'd picked the foe up on a free transfer because that guy's with his experience he's no hour of getting in the box I I don't know why we we didn't bring him when when we brought in Lorente. Yeah, it was a no-brainer, wasn't it? You I know, mean, a freebie. Through, he loves the club. Yeah, you know. happy, to, happy to play the role of just exactly. coming on and, and you know, getting league cut. Young yeah. Kids. You know, even, even, yeah. Kane, even Kane is one of those blokes who's so humble that even though, let's be honest, he is a better striker than Jermaine Defoe already, just drawn level with him into fifth in the, uh, the all-time... Um, Spurs scorers list, list in what was it, about 140, 150 less games. That's but it, yeah. Kane would listen to Defoe. You know what yeah. I mean? He would yeah. say things. And it was, it seemed like such a no-brainer. But hey-ho, there you go. But uh, do you know what? Everton, they've got... You think they've got, like, Walcott, Sigurdsson, um, Brazilian guy whose name escaped. Richarlison. Richarlison, thank you. Yeah, that's, that's right. the one. <laughs> 
I had him in my head even before. This is the tiredness kicking in, yeah. <laughs> and in a way, they've, they've sort of weirdly got sort of what we've got at Spurs. If you think of like, you know, like Sigurdsson would be Eriksson, for example. Walcott would be Moore and um, Richarlison would be Sun. I know it's not the greatest example, but just as a comparison. But then they don't have Harry Kane. That's the difference. Yeah, yeah. They don't, don't have a Harry Kane who could just bang in goals for them and they need that. I don't know where they'd look. I mean, they could they could do worse than look at someone like Casper Dolberg from Ajax, actually. You know, he's young, he's developing, he's going to end up at a top club in Europe. They, they might as well spend 40, 50 million on him. You know, banging the goals, sell him for 80, 90 in a few seasons. You know, that kind of thing. That, that would work for them. It would work, but I guess it's do Everton want to keep spending money every summer in the pursuit of this glass ceiling really they're trying to sort of crack it they've had two cracks it already and it's sort of failed I mean it's not so they haven't got the money but then if they're not hitting those heights would someone like Dolberg want to move to Everton would he consider that club a big enough one for him to move uh, on I to? think I think Everton have got the luxury haven't they yeah exactly I think that that's that's and that's another one of Everton's kind of problems isn't it I think there could be some players who see Everton as a club that's a good stepping stone into the top Mm -hmm. four clubs but for Everton they need to take advantage of those situations Mm -hmm. when they're there get these young guys at you know a cheaper price make the most of them for the few couple of years maybe they have them and then look to sell them on for a big profit and then look to try and find the next best thing on the production line and if you like go through that cycle again and when you're in one of those cycles you just got to hope like Spurs did that you finally crack that top four and then you can you know obviously then build from there um and and until you can't really see much else happening at Everton other than that each season can you really they're kind of one of those clubs that are just stuck in groundhog season aren't they it's like well what will this one be like probably the same as last year you know, we, we'll do all but right. We'll come I, I, I kind of love that, at least. Genuinely trying to give it a proper go. You know what I mean? As opposed to just we're here, accept our lot. They're actually trying yeah. things to make it yeah. work. I, I, I love that. You know, they're a proper club, proper old-fashioned club. Um, I've got a lot of time for Everton, actually. And I, I, I hope they do at least start challenging in earnest for that top six. Because... As much as I'd love Spurs to be there year in, year out, it was very stale when it was just the top four of Liverpool, Arsenal, uh, Chelsea and United for all those years. And now it's become stale with the top six of the two Manchester clubs, Liverpool, Tottenham, Spurs and Arsenal. You know, and you just sort of think, yeah, our games are very competitive in this league, but... You know, when you think of it as being the most competitive league in the world, there's there's an element of truth in that. But you know what the top six is going to be year in, year out. And pretty much, I think apart from Leicester, I think only like three clubs, three or four clubs have won it for about, what was it, about 25 years or something? Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not a great uh, stat, is it, for the actual uh, competitive... Well, it's, the league is competitive, isn't it? But yeah, in terms of that's, actually, what, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's what I mean. It, it, they are competitive games, you know, more competitive than you get in a lot of leagues. But the whole thing just becomes a little bit 
stale and and also it's a bit weird it's not like when liverpool were completely dominant in the 80s or united were in the 90s and early noughties when you sort of think god you know what they're so brilliant you sort of admire them it gets annoying but you know what i mean but we don't have that at the moment we sort of have a couple of clubs who've just been sort of bankrolled by russian oligarchs and all the rest of it have won the league united have won the league Leicester was a bit of a miracle, but it, they also did have a lot of money pumped into that. It wasn't a complete fluke, you know. But that's not going to happen again for a number of years. And it, it, it's like you said, Dan, it just becomes a little bit too stale. So, yeah, I'd love Everton just to make that breakthrough, drag that, keep dragging that top six down and down, you know what I mean? So it's a top seven, a top eight. Maybe Wolves can push on the next well, few. Well, I was exactly just saying, was Everton, yes. Everton are really unlucky, aren't yeah. they? The fact that just when yeah. they start to do it, they have, a, they have yeah. another club come along who basically can say, well, actually, we're just going to yeah. shove you out of the way. Um, and I, you're going to be like, the one year where it might yeah. happen, we're going to come in and just shoulder you out of the way now. And, and, if, and they must if, just think, if, oh. What could um, have a couple of seasons of stability in, in and around that sort of top 10, top 12? They might push on. You know what I mean? They they don't seem to be afraid to spend money. I think if Fulham survived, they've, and I think they will, they've got some fantastic play, players. So they're willing to spend on quality and, and experience. That's going to make the league so much more exciting when you've got eight or nine teams that could win the league. It's all, It would almost be like the old days when, do you know what I mean, in the 60s, 70s, when almost any team could feasibly win the league, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Wolves is a great point, and that's exactly what I was going to say, that the battle for the top six in a few years could be the top seven, but we're looking at Wolves right. being a part of that seven, and it's Everton's job's exactly. even harder, so... And mm-hmm. the way Wolves have sort of settled in, you could yeah, or, or Everton or Everton as an eighth. It would be, that yeah. would make it even better, you know. You know, yeah. you know, you know what I'm saying. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want people taking, <clears throat> excuse me, Spurs's place, but I do want the league to come alive a little bit more again, you know. Yeah, and I guess with it being a wash with money, there's no reason why that can't happen. So if Wolves never oh, can sort so. of minimise that gap all the better but uh let's sound the listeners questions klaxon because we've got one and it's from we've spent money on that boys we spent big money on that yeah. <laughs> yeah. thanks to loser yeah. paul there they've uh, provided us with a, a klaxon but um <laughs> but uh I, I digress uh yes at hotspur world he asks has gazaniga done enough in brackets in very limited opportunities for him to be in contention to take over the number two goalkeeper spot behind Hugo Lloris. Obviously, that comes off the basis of a, uh, a much-needed win for Tottenham on Saturday. But, Cole, any truth in that sort of statement? Um, I, I think there's just a, a real honest fight now to be had between Vorm and Gazaniga. Um, and, and I think it literally, you know, it, it will depend if one of them just takes their chance when they get it. Um, you know, Vorm has come in for a lot of criticism, um, there's been some, you know, some of the games this year, I think, you know, the Watford defeat, Vaughan was criticised for both of the goals when, when you actually looked at them, that's probably a little bit harsh on him, you know, cause they're, mm. you know, very bullet headers that basically most goalkeepers, you know, can't do much about 
from where they were put in. Um, the Liverpool game is the one that you would look at and point the finger and say, yeah, not great from the corner. And then obviously the second goal goes through his hands and you would have probably have expected him to do better. Um, Gazaniga, you know, we only saw him once, didn't we, against Palace. Um, and that was a man and a match performance that got us those three points that day because really Palace should have come away with a win um, at Wembley last year if it wasn't for him. Um, and he didn't do himself any harm on the weekend. You know, he looked solid, uh, but we were much better. Um, I'm not sure, you know, if that result would have been any different had Vaughan been in. You know, I, I still think there's some confidence in Vaughan from the team. So I think it just purely now is a, a fight. And if one of them gets a chance, they just need to take it, put in a couple of solid performances, and they probably will get the nod um, to be second second choice um, because that is all they're fighting for. You know, Larice is number one. Um, we know he's back soon, you know. I, I have my suspicions about the injury and the timing um, and, you know, whether that was actually a club suspension for his actions, you know, obviously that we all know about. But, yeah, he's no, he's clearly number one. So number two's there. And I think they'll actually Sorry, both didn't, get didn't, game didn't, time. Didn't, didn't, you hear, didn't you hear Cole Pochettino said um, his injury was caused by his arrest? He's, he's rest, yeah, he's a rest. Uh, put, that, so, put that strain on him. Yes. <laughs> on his, yes. yeah, he, he, he didn't seem yeah. too stressed when he was lifting that World Cup trophy up, though, did he, in those celebrations in France? Um, he didn't look too, too poorly injured there, bless him. Um, but he served what he served, whatever it is. And, and we obviously, we're, we're much better with him in the side. Yes. Um, so the sooner he's back, that that's great news for us. But I um, think Potts will rotate those goalkeepers throughout the season. I really do. I I I actually um, sort of disagree with Cole. I I do actually like like his logic actually on that one. So yeah, that was that was good. But I I want to see Gazaniga Gazaniga become the the first choice second choice if you know what I mean I he's he's still young enough Potch has obviously been grooming him for a long time I actually think he has a lot a lot of faith in him and I think he might even view him as long-term uh Hugo replacement you know over the next sort of four years whatever um I would I would play Gazaniga let him get the experience form doesn't need it it's right at the end of his career what, what's the point? So if Gazaniga makes a few mistakes, that's fine. I, I think he's played really well <clears throat> so far. You know, um, I, I think getting the experience, get get him experience of that level. He looks self-assured. His positioning, his positioning is fantastic. He's got great footwork. Um, he made a couple of really tricky saves look very very easy, and that's often the the sign of a great goalkeeper. Do you remember that cross he uh, claimed? I mean, no one was getting that but him. And that was, you think about the sort of weather, it was pissing it down with rain. It was so authoritative. And he, he just looks like a top-level keeper, you know? You yeah, I mean, see. I think now is the time for him to be number two. I don't, it's not an anti-Vorm sort of crusade for me, but I think... No, 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 absolutely not. I mean, I, I love Vorm. I love Michelle Vorm. And again, it makes a lot of sense. It's a bit like bringing Urente in for his experience to 
give advice to the younger players and all of the rest of it. I love it. And I, I can even see him probably, you know, coaching at the club once he, he does retire over the next few years. I just feel, as an eager, let him get his mistakes and experience out of the way early, you know? Throw yeah, him into the matches when Lloris isn't there. If he makes mistakes, let's not do what Liverpool fans have done with Carriers. Uh, let's just, you know, get behind him, give him a chance. Because sometimes, as football fans, modern football fans, and we've all been guilty of this, we tend to write people off very quickly now. Whereas pre-internet days we'd give them a whole season to see how we worked out do you, do you know what i mean whereas now it's like one mistake and you see a whole stream of people like he should never play for the club again or whatever you know you know what i mean but for, for me it's he's there already i mean it's a bit raw i mean but yeah i mean i know a lot of people don't analyze goalkeepers but i do it's a position i've got a bit of a fondness for so I know I know a bit about it. His footwork's great. His, the command of his area is great. I love how he was confident enough to boss his defence around. You, you can't teach that some of that natural stuff. His positioning is absolutely brilliant. And he's a good shot stopper, you know. Oh, and his distribution as well. Absolutely fantastic against Brighton. Yeah, I mean, Tom Morwood's also been kind of contributing. He said that, personally, he thinks it's impossible for us as fans to say whether it's time for Gazaniga because he's only had those two senior appearances in the Premier League. So he didn't have much to do against Brighton, but still what he needed to do was great. So only really Poch can decide as they sort of see him in training day in, day out. Oh, but... I, 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 I do agree. And, but what, what I was saying is because a lot of people don't watch goalkeepers that much, they're not, they don't really know what to look out for. So say, for example, a midfield dynamo comes straight into the team. <clears throat> And you can see straight away, like, they're a complete footballer or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Their skills are evident, you know, really evident. You know what I mean? Whether they're a great passer of the ball, whether they can run with the ball, whether they can shrug people off or if they have a bit of vision. With with keepers, it's a little bit more subtle because, like I said, it's positioning, footwork, command of the area, you know, uh, authorities come and claim crosses and shout for them. You know, they're all little things. It's all organisation as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. The fact that you can exactly organise your back that, line which and your did. players Absolutely feel confident. Perfectly. You know, Completely it's like, yeah, this bloke behind us, we know we can trust him. And he's going to tell, if he tells me something's going on, I know I can trust to rely and, on and, him and, and do and what he says. And he's got that. And I know it's not quite as easy to judge because, like I said, most people don't watch goalkeepers, do they? You just don't, unless they make a mistake, really. But what I'm saying is, if you saw a top-level player in the, the midfield or a great striker he's banging in goals for fun, you'd recognise how good they were straight away because it's obvious. And because I'm pretty good at judging goalkeepers, what I'm saying is he's like that, but a goalkeeper. I think also the, the net benefit of getting Gazanig sort of more blooded in now is something that the club can sort of reap further down the line for much longer. So it, there's, exactly. there's only so much he can exactly. sort of be this promise of, you know, a great goalkeeper in the future. That future almost has to start being now, really, doesn't it? And again, that's no sort of um, black mark on Vorm or anything, but I think it's a great I, position I think to have, isn't it? When we brought Vorm, 
it was the right time to buy him, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. he, was, he was he was he was a good Definitely. goalkeeper for Swansea. Um, uh, but now, probably what's going against Vaughan is that lack of match time. Oh, and he probably now yeah. could do with week in, week out football. And maybe that, again, he's a sort of keeper. Just drop down the league a little bit now. You know, would he, would he bother, though? What's the point? What is he? That's the only trouble, or... yeah. You'd have to question, is what's his desire? If his desire now is he's happy just sitting there, you know, filling in every now and then and taking his squad role. If he still has the desire that he wants to play week in week out then mm-hmm. he's never going to get that at Spurs so you, you just take your lot and move on you know to, to Honest, one of those honestly mate, yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if his turned out to be um, how to put it if, if he turned out to be one of those um, Uh, you, you know, like we sort of bought him, but said, "Okay, you can also do your coaching badges." Yeah, and we'll, we'll give we, we you see you oh, as the staggered. A bit, we bit see like you as a future final. goalkeeping coach. Precisely, I think, with Hans Sagers, wasn't it? We kind of did that with Hans yeah. Sagers years yeah. ago. Yeah, spot on there, mate. And they, I think, I, I, again, I, I wouldn't put money on it, but I, I, that was my feeling as to why Arsenal got Lichtsteiner in as well. Yeah, fair shout. Actually, I didn't think of it from that angle, but I guess the season sort of veteran who's been there and done it. Um, exactly. Won a few, well, more, multiple trophies, really. But I guess that sort of makes sense to start coaching the next generation. I guess like Per Med, Saka is also sort of coaching. So to get more yeah, experience, is definitely a deficiency that Arsenal have that weak underbelly at the back. So, yeah, it's a, a move that makes perfect sense in that scenario. Now it's time to, uh, to pay the bills as we pick our losable picks of the week. So, as I mentioned last week, I don't know if you heard, but um, I've sort of created a league table concept where we started on a base level of 10 points. Each time you get a right uh, pick, you get three points, as in real football. An incorrect one, you get fine two points. But with that fine, you get to then clean the board and start again with your picks. So, last week, we all got correct picks. JS picked Huddersfield, Cole picked Southampton, I picked Everton. So, that means the standings are JS with 19, so he's got three in a row. He's on a clean sweep. Myself and Carl on 14. So, week four, we go again. And Carl, I'll start with you. Who's your guaranteed loser of the week? For me this week, I'm going to go with Huddersfield. Good I shout. Think, yeah, yeah I, th- I think Spurs, we're going to have too much for Huddersfield. And, and I really worry about them this season. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going with Huddersfield this, this week then. Okay, if we focus on Huddersfield, they um, they took the lead against Leicester, didn't they, on uh, Saturday? But they just look really flat, and it's not something that's just been over these six games. It's also something that started at the tail end of last season. It's almost that they've not found any spark over the sort of summer. It's the streaks continuing, and it's only really going to get worse before it gets better, if at all. Yeah, I, I mean that. I think there's a real second season kicking in there for. Hull- Huddersfield, where they were, you know, kind of like a bit like a surprise package in their first season, um, but they've kind of struggled to bring in the quality they need to then see it out for the second season, which is always tougher because everyone knows a little bit more about you and and what you're going to come and what out, you know, what it's like going to their ground and stuff like that. And I just think, you know, they haven't been able to get the quality they probably need to keep themselves in the division this year especially when you look at the sides that have come up um you know unfortunately for them most years you get the sides that come up they kind of don't have the impact that Wolves and Fulham 
them have had, um, where you kind of actually look at those sides and say they actually could be, you know, mid-table top six sides if it goes right for them. So that drops another three teams down. And I just think, you know, Huddersfield are going to be one of those. It's going to be a long, hard season for them. And I, I don't see a happy ending, unfortunately, for those boys. I think they, they'll be back in the championship next year. But it, it would have been great for them. And if they build on it properly, then, you know, you wouldn't be surprised if you see them, you know, come come back up again after that. But I think they'll always find it difficult to bring in the quality they need um, to, to survive comfortably in this league. Yep, I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there. I think they are going to sort of struggle. It's second season syndrome kicking in. They didn't really buy any sort of name that you sort of think is going to help them enhance or evolve over the summer. You don't know where the goal is coming from. So... Not only is it going to be a likely defeat for them at the weekend, fingers crossed, especially as first fans, but it looks like a very long season for them. So, JS, I'll go to you now. Can you make it four from four of your loser pool picks? Who do you reckon is going to lose this weekend? I've actually tried to go for more, um, do you know what I mean, ones that aren't complete bankers just for a bit of fun. As Ooh, in, um, playing the long game, I like it. Cause if you usually well, no, I mean, like that. I mean, like Huddersfield Leicester that I had last week. You could, you couldn't really. That's not an absolute banker. I thought it would be a bit of fun to do that. And when Huddersfield went one 0 up, I thought, yeah, my losing streak's gone. But this week, I'm just going for what on paper should be a banker. I'm going to go for Brighton, and assume that City are going to put them to the sword. <laughs> yep, I mean, City they put Cardiff to the sword, so uh, they, they're no. Um... Slouches of that. Huddersfield have been uh, sliced off as well by City's sharpness. So I take mm. it there's no scalp uh, for Brighton this season because they've, they've beaten United at home. But I guess it would be a different yeah. story at the Etihad, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, no, they're, they're not going to beat City at the Etihad, mate. Sorry. Okay. That's sorry, Brighton. Sorry, sorry. Don't apologise. I think, you know, <laughs> you don't have to make up your predictions. That's absolutely fine. If you think Brighton will lose, it's probably the right answer. So if, if it does happen... It could be egging your face in the streak ends, but I think more than likely it should be um, a City win. But don't forget what, to draw. What, what are the total points so far? I'm you're on 19. Yeah, you're what 19. Are you, what are you, my, Myself and Carl are on 14. So you've got a five-point gap, but it could, oh. could swing round should you uh, get an incorrect pick. And yeah, yeah hoping, I'm hoping I'm not going to do a Liverpool, you know, have my Stevie G slip moment. <laughs> <laughs> There's still plenty of time for that. Me personally, I'm going to go for an interesting one, which might cost me come the come Monday. But I'm going to go for Watford away at Arsenal because I think Arsenal. Hey, Dan, Dan, can I just ask you something about this league table? Yes, I've got three out of three correct. Yeah. Yep. Right. So how how am I on nineteen points? Because I've offered a base level of ten points to each person. Uh huh. So 10 plus 3 plus 3 plus 3 is 19. Oh, I see. There we go. There's my Carol Alderman impression for this evening. So. <laughs> I, I still think that would have been funnier if you'd started on naught and people would have been on minus numbers. Well, it could have. I mean, it's, it's done now, isn't it? I could strip the 10 yeah. points away, but it would just create more confusion. So let's stay yeah. with the base limit. Because I'm kind, okay. you see. I want to give people That's points. so kind of you. Thank you so much. Not a problem. <laughs> right, I'm glad we got that bit sorted out, so we're, we're in tune. But for me personally... Watford, I think, will lose Arsenal, which you look at the sort of the league's placings, you think, hang on, are you, are you mad? But I just think that Arsenal <laughs> are a tough proposition at home. They always have been. They mm -hmm. are sort of finding their stride now. Four straight mm -hmm. wins in the Premier League after yeah. 
must be said, two difficult fixtures to start with. So they do obviously have a tendency to concede, but at the same time, they have a habit of, at the moment, thinking, right, whether we concede, we're just going to score more, which they will become unstuck at some points, especially against sort of bigger teams, Chelsea being a perfect example of that. But I think, although Watford are sort of deadly, I think Arsenal might just nick it. And it's interesting that Watford haven't mm. actually made a, a lineup change this season. Them and Wolves, both uh, teams have, uh, both clubs have kept the same lineup in the first six games. So, Carl, is there a sort of the mantra if it ain't broke, don't fix it? It must be sort of working for them. Uh, Javi Grazia, Nuno, Spiro, Santo must be having sort of confidence in the players they have. I think with Watford, that is the case, isn't it? The start's been so good for them that that is a situation where they're obviously not blessed with a squad full of world-class players. So, for them, it is. If it's not broken, you know, they have the luxury, don't they, that, you know, they've no European football and that, so they get their rest in between. So, as long as they don't pick up any injuries and the players are on it, then I don't think they, you know, if they're if it's working, they won't mess about with it too much. Um, the the issue will be to see whether Watford can keep it going. You know, it's been at, le- at least it's been a little bit more stable for them now, so you can kind of see good things coming there. Um, and it's just to see whether that squad can kind of keep up the pace. And at least, you know, obviously they've had good starts before, but then it kind of fades out for them. You know, at least this year you've got people like Troy Deeney seems to be a lot fitter and that that's good for them. He's struck up a good relationship with Andre Gray. So that seems to be working. Um, you know, the manager seems to be settled there. So if they can just not mess about with it too much, I think they will keep it simple, one of of those clubs, you know. And I think this year, if they can keep themselves happily in that top half of the table and maybe try to put a cup run run together in one of the cups, then that's an encouraging sign. And that's kind of the next progression, isn't it, for a club like like Watford? Because we know they're not going to probably get in the top four right now. So if they can just keep themselves, you know, in that top seven, eight, a good cup run, and then try yeah. to build on it each year, then then that's where they start off with. Um, we know, obviously, Troy Deeney was on, obviously, you know, I don't know if anyone's seen the Twitter where he's, you know, got two broken toes at the moment. So yeah. they'll have to see how, he, how, how good he is and responds for this weekend. But I know he won't want to miss Arsenal away because he kind of loves uh, he loves seeing if Arsenal got the cojones for a, for a fight, doesn't he? And he normally gives them a little bit of problem. So I'm sure they'll be raring for this one. And I'm like you, Dan. I would, have, I would say Arsenal will win that game. But I really wouldn't be surprised if Watford come away with one of those shock 2-1 wins. You know, you really wouldn't. Well, that's the thing. I'm sort of... It, it's, it's possible, isn't it? And I'm just... I'm, that's why I sort of undenied about this pick because I thought, oh, it's a bit of a risk. But it might be one of the picks that pays off and then I've got some lesser teams to sort of use further down the line. So I'm just going to recap what we chose. Cole's gone for Huddersfield to lose at home to Tottenham. JS has gone for Brighton to lose at Man City, and I've gone for Watford to lose at Arsenal, and they are our loser pool picks of the week. So, let's just uh, wrap up the rest of the Premier League while we've got time. I don't think there's much left to do, but um, we'll go to Turf Moor next, and Burnley, JS, they finally got their season started. Um, oh, yeah. The Europa League fatigue is gone, the shells, the shackles are off, shall I say, and um, no one really would have expected a 4-0 home win against Bournemouth, would they? No, I mean, Ashley Barnes is, is one of those kind of players who was 
always going to do something, and then he and then he just kind of never really did. But he seems to look good at the moment. Aaron Lennon seems to be playing back to his best. I watched quite a bit. I watched a lot of football this weekend. Um, yeah, Aaron Lennon looks back to his his. I, I think they look good again. I, I think it. I really do think that Europa League thing just knocked them right out of sync, and now we're seeing them bit more rested coming back into the 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 sort of Burnley you know we we've known of the last two two seasons also you know I think we're looking good again well yeah. deserved winners that game yeah and I think you know on the evidence of that the motion is going to sort of start turning in their favour now and you, you'd imagine yeah. that they'll start getting up the table easily once they've got that sort of defensive bedrock sort of sorted once again then you sh- they should be fine um, uh, I Top top ten again at least I reckon. Yeah, I, sound, I think that's a fair shout. I mean, you don't. I guess it depends on how the likes of uh, Wolves, Watford, Everton do really, because if they do well, there's no need sort of one place left up for grabs, and it could be Burnley. But um, then again, actually, looking at everyone else, it might may well just be Burnley. Could it even be West Ham if they pull their finger out? But um, a team that's not really pulling their finger out at the moment, Carl, is uh, Manchester United who are now eight points off of Liverpool. I know there's a lot of football left to be played, and you can't really say that a team's going to win a title or lose a title this early. But that said, they don't really look like title contenders, do they? No, I mean, it's it's so strange, isn't it, what's going on there? Um, It's just like, you know, they just can't get the best out of them week in, week out, can they? they? They have little fits and starts where they'll have... You know, certain parts of a game where you think, yeah, they're looking really good now. You know, they're, they're, they're starting to attack. They're looking dangerous. And then all of a sudden it just goes to pot. And you suddenly, by the end of the game, you're thinking, wow, you know, the, the ability and the players that this side have. But just something doesn't look right. You know, they, they, it's that is one unhappy looking team, isn't it? You know, you just wonder what's going on. You've got Sanchez, who, let's face it, he would have walked into most teams at the point when he went to Man United. You know, I would have had him at Spurs all day long. And yet that is the shadow of a player right now that plays for Man United. You know, that is confidence has gone from him. You know, he doesn't look like he's enjoying his football. And you kind of get that impression from most of that squad. You know, do, do any of them look like they're really enjoying themselves? And is that because they're just not being given the freedom to do what they want to do? Um, and is that down to the manager or is that just down to the players themselves? But the way that's going, the way it's going for United, you could probably see them you know, pushing the top four and being in the top four. But there's certainly at the moment doesn't look like there's enough about them to push seriously Liverpool or City for that title right now. No way. Um, and and I don't know what they need to do there because it, that that is a real mystery. You know, when you've got the, the ability that they have in that squad, um, then it's a real letdown, you know. They'll kick themselves for not potentially trying to push the Alder Weirald deal over the line because... You know, that that sort of player going in there would have done wonders for United this year because that's the probably one of their real weak areas, you know, their centre-halves. And again, like as we've said before with a goalkeeper, if you don't have a centre-half that's commanding, organises and leads, then that can cause problems, you know, because they've got the, one of the best goalkeepers in the world. You know, they've got one of the best strikers on his day. Um, they've got some great midfield players and wide men. So well, why is it not clicking? It's, it's a real myth there at the moment. Um, I can't put my finger on it, Dan. 
I think it's because no one wants to play under Mourinho, but that's it. A, looks like that, doesn't it? Yeah, that is the thing it looks like, <laughs> yeah. you know. But, um, as he just looks like he sucked the life out of all of them. Yeah, yes, honestly. Yes. Do you know what? I even forgot Alexis Sanchez played for Man United until I saw a match. That, that's it, isn't it? Really weird. I mean, he would have walked into any team, then you know, the form he was, the, the player he was for Arsenal, anyone would have had him. And he must be kicking himself that he didn't go Man City because what what a difference his career you know he might have been having right now. But he just looks lost and devoid of all confidence. Absolutely, but uh, we'll have to sort of leave it there. I've got to do a quick bit of a, a round up, and then JS is going to do something to finish. Um, City funk Cardiff. We'll learn nothing from that because we knew that was going to happen. Five nil. We know the City are going to change the title, and Cardiff are going to probably get relegated. Sorry to Cardiff fans, but that's just the sort of way it is. Fulham, they um, got a late equaliser against Watford. Spirited point, which is good, especially at home. But there must be a worry for them. They've already conceded 13 goals, which is the second highest amount in the Premier League. So although they're good going forward and they've got good players, they need to sort of worry about that if that's not going to cause them long-term trouble. Um, I think that's about it for the Premier League. Oh, and Crystal Palace Newcastle sort of just happened. I think Will Sahar was a bit subdued after his comments the week before. And it, that must have played on his mind because he sort of had a couple of shots that could have changed the game had they gone in. But I think he was sort of worrying about booking gate and all that. So I think that's the Premier League in a nutshell. Apologies if your team didn't get the, uh, the minutes you hoped, but I can't really do 20 teams in an hour. That would be, what, like three minutes each. So, you know, it's yin and yang. But um, before we go, JS, um, in the sort of weekend that unfortunately Chaz from Chaz and Dave has passed, um, I know you wanted to say some words and give something of a tribute. So the floor is yours. Just wanted to say what a great man he was. <clears throat> As Spurs fans, we, we all grew up listening to their music. They're, to me, they're as much a part of the club as years ending in one, the old White Hart Lane and Bill Nicholson. And I've written a little tribute piece, which you can find on footballinthecity.com. Um, I've also started like an online memorial book i suppose you'd call it but on twitter so there's a post on the football in the city twitter page uh which is at ball and the city and it's the pin post if you just leave a little comment about Chaz or your favorite songs of his a little memory and hopefully his friends and family and dave dave might get to see it so um yeah there's a tribute from mickey hazard on there and um also, Rachel Martin was very kind to leave a tribute from uh, Tottenham Hotspur uh, Supporters Trust. So, yeah, it's going pretty good. Aussie our dealers has already retweeted it. I just saw actually, but I, I think it would be nice if there are any Spurs fans listening, go and, go and leave a message and hopefully it gets to his family and they can see just what Charles Hodges meant to all of us as Spurs fans. Absolutely, I can't uh, recommend that enough. If you'd like to say, if you're a Spurs fan or even just a fan of football or music, I mean, he's touched so many people's lives. It's not just about sort of Tottenham, you know, this, the strongest connection, but it's not just all about that. I mean, so many people have given their um, praise and goodwill comments over the weekend. It is, it is it, such a shame. It, it, exactly. I mean, that that was the first thing I put in the uh, the tribute article. I put when you've got Chelsea, West Ham, and Arsenal fans all paying homage to the guy you know that's a special special person that's touched a lot of people very deeply yeah cheers js i really appreciate your words they're very poignant and uh, absolutely spot on carl have you got anything to add mate 
No, I disagree with all that. I mean, like I say, I think the biggest compliment you can give, you know, Chaz and, you know, the group Chaz and Dave is if you can find somebody who doesn't like their music, then um, I'd be impressed because there are not many people who don't like a bit of Chaz and Dave. So when you and even now, you know, if I play that music to my boy, he's tapping along and and he thinks it's great. Um, And there's not there's not many groups that can say they've had it's joy, isn't it? It's just just music that's pleasure. It just brings pleasure to everybody. And it puts a smile on your face. And what a lovely what a lovely legacy (laughs) to leave that is. Do you know what would be a fitting tribute if Tottenham could win a trophy this year? Maybe even the FA Cup. Wouldn't that be lovely, wouldn't it? Oh, that, that would be the best. It would be the best. Well, uh, we'll wrap up there, though, gents. I just want to say thanks for coming on the show. JS, I know you've uh, been uh, lem-sipped up to the eyeball, so I really appreciate you coming on tonight, mate. Thanks so much for having me, Dan. That's highly appreciated, mate. Not a problem. We'll do it again soon, I hope. And Cole, same for you, mate. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> been a pleasure, Dan. Really enjoyed it. Been a, been a great chat. Cheers, mate. Pleasure as always, and I hope we'll pick up the slack sometime soon. So, with that said, it just leads me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is the Real Football Cast in association with Loser Paul. And until next time, goodbye. Podcast Network.